Hi, and welcome back to our GamePad online panel, video game design, too big to fail, question mark. Again, question mark, very important. Uh, so we've been talking about how we got to this point of games being uh, so big. Uh, we have had the Cyberpunk 2077 discussion. Uh, so now we're gonna talk generally about the size of games and our expectations as media, as uh, video game fans, as we kind of get to this question of how big games need to be, to be enjoyable, to be considered um, quality, especially in this new generation of consoles that we have. As I was putting together these notes, I had a thought and I wondered of all these open world games, like even despite the rising popularity of indie games that we have, I feel like the the mantra the mantra of bigger is better still seems to hold true for video game development. And we have this expectation of the larger the size of the game, the more value it must have, and therefore the more value we get as the the, the buyers uh, of this game. But I wondered if this is actually true and whether there's some like disconnect going on. So I started to look into this and so we all get excited when we see like the new game, the new trailer, new announcements, all these features. So we get excited for these new game experiences, but apparently you're not as excited to stick it out and finish these game experiences. So I started uh, doing some digging and according to UnGeek, The Last of Us Part 2 is considered to have a relatively high completion rate. So number of people who actually finished uh, the game of 58%. Um, I'm happy to say I'm one of those 58%. Among other major PlayStation 4 games, I noticed that those with the lowest completion rates are Red Dead Redemption 2 with 28.6% and The Witcher 3 with 26%. What, it, what are, you know those two things have in common? They're both large open world games. So over to Xbox land, and uh, according to uh, statistics, just 31.6% of people completed the last mission on the Xbox 360 version of GTA V, and 14.4% on the Xbox One version. Nintendo is not immune from this either. Uh, so many who defeated Ganon in The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, uh, I'm actually not one of these, uh, but still found their completion rate as low as 30% of the game. So as I said, there seems to be like a disconnect between us as fans, as players, demanding bigger games from developers to justify the cost of um, investment in new consoles and these games, but then we don't finish them before we move on to the next one. So Quang, what do you think? Like, is it is, is it more satisfying when you complete a game? Do you have to complete a game for it to be satisfying? Like, how do you see this relationship between the, the size of the game and the quality uh, that we get from it, if there is any relationship? So this is a topic that makes me quite angry. Because <laughs> 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 as a developer, we make games and we want people to play, enjoy the games. And the games I make are, I come from a very arcadey background. And so everything generally what I make is handcrafted and i will make the levels i will design the levels i put the bad guys in the right, the right place and so forth and weave the story into it and make a beautiful package for you to play and to hear that people aren't completing games either they're dropping out because they got too bored of it or i, I don't know why people aren't finishing the games but it almost breaks my heart that i've spent 
days, weeks, months making these games to the nth degree, and people never ever get to see the ending of the game mm-hmm. I made. That's quite frustrating to hear. I can imagine. But I, I also understand now, like you hear these big games coming out, and they they, they promise sixty plus hours of gameplay, but then they make you do a fetch quest going from point A in the map to point B to point C, and then back to point A and back and forth, and they're literally artificially stretching out the length of gameplay because they promise 60 hours of gameplay and for me I, I think video games need to have a new measurement instead of hours of gameplay it should be awesome per second so whether that's awesome game design awesome graphics awesome sound awesome um set pieces awesome design it's just something to keep your attention and your uh, just make you go, wow, I'm, I'm enjoying this. I don't want to be bored getting from point A to point B to point C just so I can fill that 60-hour quota. But yeah, again, I'm sorry. I, I, I get quite angry about this as a subject. No, I, I feel you because I, I looked at those stats. And I'm like, that is that feels like such a shame because like you say, you, you put so much work and we, we talked about it in the last time when you put people, you know, they enjoy these games. They want to make great games for people to experience. And it looks like most people don't get to the end um so yeah that's really kind of uh interesting i mean like annie what do you what do you think again as someone who's making games that you put something out and you know there's a high chance that a lot of people won't see the end of it i I was thinking of a friend of mine who's a full-time working professional and how so many games he finishes on youtube because he's like I don't have 30 hours to grind to get the gear that is required for me to do the ending. I'll just watch that. it on YouTube and I get to see all the different endings, the fake ending, the real ending, the very secret hidden ending and, and, and so on. And it's like, I think game developers sometimes forget that, you know, a very large majority of our audience are actually people well into their 20s, in their 40s, even though they're with jobs, families, kids, and so on that don't have the time that, say, for example, a 16-year-old fan will do. But at the same time, we have the responsibility of making a game that will be fun for both. Like, you can't easily discriminate against one or the other. So I think we, we, we do need to be a little bit more kinder towards, you know, the person who YouTubes the ending and is not bothered with the, the you know, doing all the grind. But it, it's also very interesting that, that this question came up because recently, I think as recent as last week, we had a very large discussion with our team because the game we are working on is a is a first-person RPG and it was a first-person open-world RPG and we had a discussion and we decided to drop that from the description because of two things. One is obviously the moment you say open-world, people have a very set expectation in their head of exactly what an open-world looks like. And for us as a smaller team, we had to be very honest about can we actually deliver on that promise? We don't want to, you know, we don't want to, it's it's always like under promise and over deliver that makes your life easier. And it was also about looking at similar titles to, to ours, things like Bioshock, Dishonored, Prey, and, and so on. And they are open world. If you think about it from a technical perspective, you can, you can do things in your own, by your own choosing but they don't market themselves as open world and we had a discussion about that as well and it was actually yeah it's it's how do you talk about giving the player freedom to go for the game as they choose without marrying yourself to you can ride like you can get on a boat a horse a cart whatever and it will take you two hours to cross one end of the map to the other 
I think that concept of open world is starting to become a little bit problematic, especially like with people's expectations in their head. And that's why we dropped it and we decided to talk about the game in a slightly different way. And it's very interesting how for us internally, in terms of production, it has no difference. But the marketing team got very excited Mm. about it. Oh, really? It was like, this makes our life so much easier. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, it was it was a very, very interesting discussion to have and, and not, not, not the easiest decision because, I mean, as, as, as developers, we kind of have to ask ourselves, like, what is the bit that people will get more, most excited about the game that we're currently working on? And we were like, well, it's not actually the open world, but it's like what you can do in that world. Because, you know, like with a game of Skyrim or any of the Elder Scrolls games, especially with Sky- uh, with Elder Scrolls 6, people will have that expectation that it will take them 10 hours to ride from one, one corner to the other. Um, and that's a very large pressure on the studio as well. Yeah, that's mad. Because even like I, I mentioned Red Dead Redemption and I've, I've got it. Um, yeah. I, I put it in the console. Uh, I started it, but then, <laughs> so I as a quick story. I, I I started playing it, and um, I got to some point where I was, I think I was chasing down a bear or something like that, and then I went for a gap where I didn't uh, play it for a while. Came back to it, and first thing I was like, "Where am I?" I pull up the map. I'm like, "I don't recognize anything here." Quickly find out that the map is zoomed in. I need to zoom out to figure out <laughs> where where I am to get back to where I need to be. I go on the way. I meet a, a lady who is, I think she's fallen off her horse and she wants some help getting back to her town. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll help out. I'll, I'll do a good deed for today. Sort of get on my horse. Where, where do you live? She lives in the opposite direction to where I'm trying to get to. But I'm like, okay, I've, I've committed. And then I, I, on the way, I'm like, I don't think this is worth it. <laughs> like, I don't, I'm like, I feel this is a anymore. lot of time. Like, I'm actually, like, I actually looked at the actual time. I'm like, how long is this going to take me? And I feel like if I need to check, like, my Google Calendar to see if I can complete a mission, there's there's a problem. That's just my personal opinion. But, um, so I was going to say, like, because uh, Annie, you brought up the the marketing and uh, the sort of, the that brings me onto the media uh, and sort of fan expectation. Um, so I want to, uh, ask you, Imogen, that, so again, while I was putting these notes together, uh, started having some thoughts and I, I wonder if there's another disconnect of maybe not so much media, but some segment of fans not knowing enough or having enough appreciation about the process of making video games. Uh, so what I mean by that, like if we look over to other industries, say like, uh, film, when you'd get, uh, maybe even that's less so now, but you'd get like those, you get DVD or Blu-ray, you get like the behind the scenes, how the thing was mm. made, or even on streaming, you might get those features. So you kind of see the process, you see how this is made. Whereas I find with video games, we don't do that as much. It's very much the, the slick kind of marketing presentation and anything that is shown in progress is kind of taken as the final thing and then judged sort of... Uh, oftentimes harshly as the final thing mm. so we have this disconnect of and it can become even like adversarial in a way so is part of this problem in terms of what we expect from game developers for these new releases partly the audience not knowing enough about the process and when you cover games what are you looking for like what kind of stories do you look for in, in these games to share with people so uh quick answer is yes <laughs> there is a massive 
there's a massive uh, issue, I think, with people not really understanding how games are made. And not only that, but assuming they know how things are made and then worse, going yeah. off of that and then and then you being like no that's not how it is because yes it is actually and you're like no that's not how that works and they're yeah. like no it is and i'm like no it's not stop like um so for example i mean we talk about the cyberpunk um almost 10 years in development myth type of uh it's not myth but you know what i mean it's like a yeah. It's, like a it's not that... an accurate. Yeah, it's, it's it's a narrative that where people like when they first announced it, they had like a three hundred person team working on it. No, 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 that's not that's not how that game started, and that's not how production starts on a game like that. And I I, I think there is like a uh, gosh, there was another example that came to my mind, uh, like QA for example with Cyberpunk. If we talk about that example, uh, where I think that after the release there was like mention of QA being like. Our QA process wasn't as good as it should have been. And so people were like, so it's the QA's fault. And like, no, it's not. It's not. It's not QA's fault. They didn't have enough time to really like properly go through. I, I mean, you know, there was just too many bugs for QA to deal with yeah. in that time, really. <laughs> it's, it's really, it's really what the, it was, what, it, that's not, it's not on QA not doing a good enough job. It is production. It is timing. It is uh, feature creep. It is like a huge amount of things that contributes to what happened. It's not just one department's fault in fault in whatever, whatever happened. And so, yes, it's like there are, there are a lot of problems, I think, with people not understanding what goes behind games. And I do think part of that problem is because games are such, yeah, a polished like mirror of here, like we'll give you this, and you don't see the absolute chaos that's going on behind it that that, that people had to endure to like get it out. Um, and you don't have any, uh, unlike film, you're just like, uh, for example, if we talk about the Witcher TV series, and I think they had some behind the scenes. You're like, yeah, I want to see Henry Cavill talk about Geralt. Yeah, yeah I want to <laughs> see that. You know, and 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 I think people don't. There isn't a recognizable face for people to connect with when it comes to games. They connect with the characters. They don't connect with the people making it as much as in um in i think movies for example but yeah it's basically just a lot of misunderstanding and not a lot of sympathy and high demands that i, I that are almost unprecedented in any other media i can think of people really demand things of games that they really don't demand do. elsewhere yeah no i've i've seen that uh, more and more um usually social media is not too far when mm. when i've seen those opinions but yeah that kind of like it's almost a sense of entitlement. Um, yeah. I don't want to put that on all video game fans, but it is almost a sense of like, you, you, your game must be like this. And we... There was, yeah, there's uh, my colleague, uh, Ewan wrote an article the other day where uh, I think PlayStation's doing PlayStation at home at the moment where they are giving yeah. games away for free. Um, and then people are like, that's not the game I wanted. <laughs> and it's like, they're giving you a game for free. They're giving you Horizon Zero Dawn for free and you're not happy. Okay, that's that's at that point, what do you do? What do you do? <laughs> On that note, you know, we're talking about Cyberpunk and the, when they were giving refunds for Cyberpunk, mm. people were like, great, I got a refund for the game because it's buggy or there's an issue with it. Can I get can I keep the game as well? <laughs> I'm like, no, that's not how refunds work. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that. You've got to admire that <laughs> on some level. By the way, can I say something very interesting that I've I've noticed from indie developers, and I think big publishers maybe can take a leaf of their book, is building that relationship with the fans. Because you see with indies, 
you know, the, the process with the good sides and the bad sides is very open and the fans are aware that there are problems, there are issues, there is like all of these things going around because fundamentally, like people get very invested in 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 a story or a game or whatever. And I, I find like just from from you know all all the other indie developers that I've spoken to, like allowing the fans to be a part of that process, allowing them like a little peek behind the curtain. Obviously, don't tell them how you've broken the the you know the 3d rendering pipeline today but show them show them the good sides show them the bad sides show them the funny gifts you know of of something breaking in a very ridiculous way i find that building that relationship and being very honest about like we are doing our best here today and it's like it it's not looking great but um it, it it builds up this this relationship of trust and understanding that like everyone's trying their best you know, sometimes you it it allows people to be a lot more forgiving with the end result as well. Um, and I find like the whole thing of like keeping everything in so much secrecy. I can understand from like a marketing point and a financial point. There, there is obviously sense to it, but I also think allowing the fans like a little bit more, you know, knowing what's going on in the kitchen will make everyone's life a little bit easier because like if they understand that like okay like our level designer needs to figure out how to do like vertical levels or water levels or other things like that and you know being a little bit more vulnerable actually pays off very very much and like i'm yet to see fans like being upset about people being human so i think that's an important thing to mention is like uh the people who make these games are human <laughs> and um they and you know humans make mistakes and and sort of go through the, that that process in development and i yeah i agree with that i think showing more of the more of the process would would help because we yeah we do have this and i mean we we don't have e3 or sort of game launches like we um had i say we have not actually been to e3 but um just like that kind of presentation where everyone's got to get ready to showcase like the most impressive segment of your game that you can to make people go wow i i need that i need to get that but we're not doing the the other side of you know this is how it's made like you say annie this is you know what a level designer is thinking about today this is something that's broken and we're learning to you know we've learned something and we're going to fix it uh so it's kind of that that balance and uh, i guess looking at the uh, another approach is uh something like nintendo so like quang does like nintendo have a better approach in this in this sense in, in that they they don't say anything until like the game's yeah. three months and ready to come out but then they tend to match expectations what do you think oh yeah nintendo have uh it's level of polish that's unmatched by many companies and this is again because they keep a lot of the cards close to their chest and when they do make statements about their games because it's nearer the end they can make closer predictions to what the game will be like like by the time they're making marketing campaigns about things that's getting pretty much finished and it's literally just ironing out the last few bits and so rather than making a prediction of a game that's been coming out in two three years down the line they know what product they're they're announcing. They know what it's going to be like. So what they're saying is the product that we're going to get. And is that a better way of doing it? Possibly. But then there's 
the other side of, of the marketing where you, you need to have that lead time to build the marketing for it. Um, Nintendo are, are this huge juggernaut of making of made the games for years. So, and people expect a level of quality from them. So they don't need maybe as much runway marketing wise. So it, it's a fine juggling act, but Nintendo are in a unique position to what they do. All right. So we're going to um, talk a bit more about like other ways to, or what can be done in terms of producing and uh, setting the expectation. Uh, so the last question I had for this segment is just thinking about that, the way that games are showcased and the expectation around them and just thinking how, how much does the, the average player need to know about how, how games are made? Is there, and I'll open this out to uh, anyone who wants to uh, chip in, but is there something that you wish players knew more about in terms of the game making process before they played uh, video games how much goes into it honestly hmm. just just the absolute uh, like all of the unfinished ideas thoughts pieces of art characters levels um conversations that led to there being a finished product that you know nine times out of ten um in terms of like triple a stuff is really good you know it's you're hard pressed to actually find a bad triple a game because you know there are so many people who are like really 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 trying to do their best is basically it no one's out there trying to disappoint you no one's out there trying to like do the minimum amount of work on this these are people <laughs> who uh, have an artistic vision and they're going to do everything they can to bring that to you because the last thing they want is to release the game and then feel sad about the release you know that that's the last thing that anyone wants so i just think people need to actually consider or like do a Google search, look up the departments that maybe go into a game and then spend like a few minutes thinking, gosh, that's a lot. That's a, that's a lot of stuff. And that's a lot of people having to do their best um, simultaneously all at the same time. And stress producers just trying to get everyone on the same. Like it's like, it's like having a bunch of train carriages on different rails speeding towards one destination and they all have to come up behind the engine in order perfectly two years that way it's <laughs> like how do you do that how how i played that game <laughs> <laughs> right no I, I think it's right like if you look at some of the obviously triple a games you're looking at 100 people to maybe 500 people working on a game over a span of five years and so the amount of hours uh, put into development is insane. You look at the credits list on some of the games, and it's huge. Now, obviously, you see, I don't know, you see, uh, it's a Konami game or an Ubisoft game, and you, you, you just see them as a, a encompassing whole. But you look at the individual people, like the amount of people who worked on, say, the new Spider-Man game. There's more people who worked on that than there were in the whole year of my university. You think wow. I was in university, and uh, in, in my year, maybe there was maybe. I don't know, 500 people in that year or something like that. There was more people working on a single game over a longer period of time making this game. So I think people don't have this understanding of how much effort actually goes into making a game. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And just, yeah, take, maybe taking a moment to watch those credits and, and just get a sense of how many people are making uh, these games. Um, yeah, Andy, what do you think? I can only echo what the other said and it's, it's the same thing it's compassion towards 
both indies and triple A's and everyone in between um, and just understand that the process of delivering a game, you know, because like 70% of titles actually never see the light of day and they die in development hell, is a process of a lot of compromises. Sometimes it's very practical compromises and things can't look as good as we want them to because they have to be able to run on your computer. Sometimes it's changing the story in, in a way that we might not be happy with, but it makes the book the both sense and sometimes you know it's it's completely scrapping a project and starting from beginning and getting these delays because all of it keeps coming from the same place we all want to make a great game oh sorry Quang, you look like you're going to say something sorry yeah i, I just want to talk about the cost of games so as someone who, who has worked on console computer and mobile um there's this weird disconnect again where people don't really want to pay for games anymore um, mobile games especially, people don't want to pay for mobile games. There's an amount of work that goes into them, tons of work. You know, some, there's some huge games that take as much time as a, as a huge console AAA game. But then there's also console, console games that are now £60, £70 to buy. And people are like, this is too expensive. But then production costs have gone up. Um, the games are getting bigger. Again, people want more game for what they're getting for their money. Uh, you look at inflation Games yeah. that maybe cost 30, 40 pounds back in the 80s, factor in inflation. And yes, that's going to be 70, 80, 90 pounds for a game. And for the number of like hours, as we talked about, like the, yeah. like, you know, obviously, <laughs> you know, most people, you know, you don't want to pay more for things. But when you factor in like the amount of time there of like um, enjoyment uh, there is in, in games and the price you're paying, there's, there's a lot of value in there. Um, it's a simple thing as like going to buy a, a cup of coffee. A good coffee would cost you anything between like five pounds to even ten pounds to buy coffee. That will it's a physical, tangible thing. And obviously, as games go digital, people don't quite again are disconnected further away from the cost of making a game because it's, mm. it's a digital product. But you buy that coffee and you enjoy it. At maybe it takes an hour to drink it, but when you pay sixty pounds for this game. It's a game that's going to last you how many hours? You go back to it. I, I, I pay uh, Tetris 99 over and over and over again. I love Tetris 99. Uh, Mario Kart, I play Mario Kart over and over and over again. And I love Mario Kart. And yes, Nintendo what, charged £50 or whatever it was for Mario Kart for the digital download. But it means I don't have to go and find the cartridge to, to plug into my Switch and then set it up. I just click it, ready to go. And the amount of hours I've played it, I've definitely got my money's worth out of that. Uh, so it's again trying to understand how much money you're paying for something and how much enjoyment you're getting out of it yeah definitely i think there's yeah uh, a conversation that that people can have around that and just understanding the value that you're getting from what uh people in the in video games development are putting together um so yeah so for our next segment uh we're going to be looking ahead uh, and at what things can change to ensure that uh yeah releases go a bit smoother expectations are probably where they uh should reasonably be uh, in video game releases so right now we're going to get back to our live stream but you can hear the full discussion uh including all the panel's thoughts on where we go from here and that's going to be on our youtube uh, some point after the event but you can continue discussion in the live stream chat in our discord let us know what you think and we will see you in just a bit mm-hmm.